You're listening to the PMO Strategies Podcast, where PMO leaders become impact drivers. This is episode 102. Hey there, Impact Driver. Welcome to the PMO Strategies Podcast. I am your host, Laura Bernard, and today we are talking about tomorrow's PMO leader. PMOs are evolving at a rapid rate, but are PMO leaders evolving with them? If not, what changes do they need to make? What skills will allow them to succeed? And how are they going to continue to evolve in the near term and prepare ourselves for the future. This episode is sponsored by Keydin. Keydin is the project portfolio management solution for new and growing PMOs. Using an innovative approach to traditional portfolio management practices, Keydin effectively combines strategic planning with adaptive execution, a seamless solution that delivers results. Learn more about Keydin's enterprise class solutions at keydin.com. And make sure you say hello to them during the PMO Impact Summit in their sponsor virtual booth. With us for this topic of the tomorrow's PMO leader is my pal, dear friend, and the one that makes fun of me day and night, Andy Jordan. Andy is president of Ruffinzian Consulting, a Roatan Honduras-based management consulting firm with a strong emphasis on organizational transformation, portfolio management, and PMOs. Andy is a very much in-demand speaker and author who delivers thought-provoking content, as you'll see here today, in an engaging and entertaining style. He had me laughing hysterically before we even started here, and is also an instructor in project management-related disciplines, including my favorite PMOs and portfolio management courses on LinkedIn Learning. Andy, thank you so much for being with us here today. Laura, it's my absolute pleasure, but I must correct you on one thing. I only make fun of you during the day. I do not make fun of you at night. And I say that knowing for well that your husband is sitting next to you. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> Just during the day. <laughs> I'm not going to get into more trouble than I already am. <laughs> so, so for all of you impact drivers, if you have not met Andy or had a chance to see his stuff, where have you been? He is one of the top thought leaders, in my opinion, and others in PMOs mm -hmm. and portfolio management. And Andy, you think pretty highly of yourself as well. Is that right? I'm amazing. Just ask me. <laughs> So, uh, so I um, thank you. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, thank you. for sharing what we're going to talk about here, which is incredibly important because where we are right now with PMO leaders is that things are changing so incredibly rapidly. And I'm concerned that if our PMO leaders take their eye off the ball of where they are now and where they need to head, there could be left behind. So can you talk a little bit about what you're seeing in the industry with the PMO role and how it's changing? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so for years, just like you, I've been advocating for PMOs to become recognized as more focused on business success rather than just project success. I've been arguing that they are business functions, that their role is to enable the goals and objectives of the organization to be achieved through effective project delivery. And finally, organizations are starting to listen, but they're saying, well, hang on, if the PMO is going to be a business function, it has to be run by a business leader 
and project leaders are not business leaders. Therefore, we have to get rid of all those project people from PMO leadership positions. And I'm going to take this really good line manager who's due mm -hmm. for promotion and I'm going to give him control of the PMO. Mm. And okay, kind of, sort of. I have no issue with people who understand the business being in charge of a PMO. But at the end of the day, the only way a PMO delivers success is through projects and programs and all of the variations on that that we're seeing these days. So if you don't also have a background in project delivery, if you don't understand how projects enable success for the organization, you're not gonna be any better than somebody who's only got a project background and doesn't understand the business context. So the pendulum is swinging way back the other way and we're gonna have just the same problem that we've already had, except totally different. <laughs> you know, that's something that I actually saw several times in the years that I was working inside organizations as a PMO leader. And I do agree, even more so now than I did then, but I did then too, agree that you need to have business knowledge, business acumen, understanding of how the business operates. And that's critical. And that's, as you know, because you're saying the same things, it's really important for our PMO leaders to have that. But there were often times where we would see that there would be somebody that was put in place because they had an MBA, but they didn't know anything about managing projects. And so they weren't able to provide really supportive services and capabilities for the organization to enable the better delivery of those projects because they didn't know the first thing about managing projects. So I saw that qu quite a bit inside organizations as well. They would swing the pendulum all the way back and forth. Somebody that was really knowledgeable in project management and that didn't work. So they go all the way to the opposite end with, okay, they're an MBA, so they must know what they're doing. And you're right, you have the same problem, which is you're not actually achieving the business goals of those projects in the first place because you don't have that right balance, that right dynamic. So can you talk about what the skills are that you think PMO leaders really need. And, you know, I think today is kind of tomorrow, right? I mean, I think that there's, these are things that PMO leaders need now, and they literally won't be able to find a job if they don't have them in the future, right? Right. And I think they also need to recognize that the skills they have now have to continue to develop and grow because the perfect set of skills now will be an acceptable set of skills in the future. Mm. And, a little bit further into the future will be outdated. So the skills they need now, well, the most important skill they need now is the ability to keep developing new skills, um, <laughs> you know, to, to deal with the idea of, of the migration from projects to products in technology or in software development, the emerging concepts of, of products and capabilities. So being at that leading edge, understanding things like digital transformation and the impact that's going to have on how work gets done. I'm not just going to call it projects, but how work gets done, because that's going to fundamentally change things. The impact of AI, AI is not just a buzzword and no, the robots aren't coming to take your job, especially if you run a PMO, but it is going to change the way that change gets delivered, the work gets delivered. Organizations are becoming, uh, well, PMI would call it project driven, um, but let's just say change driven and, and change is implemented through projects and programs and products and capabilities and all the rest of that stuff that isn't operations. So PMO leaders have to understand that environment. They have to understand how change gets implemented. They have to have an understanding of organizational change management and the recognition that you can't take a team that's just absorbed three changes in the last week and give them another one before the weekend. 
know, because then all of a sudden you get rejection and problems and all kinds of issues. Mm -hmm. They need to understand, yes, business acumen and all that kind of buzzwordy stuff around the business. But more than that, they have to understand what moves the needle. If you are a product-based organization, your business is to generate consumer or business-to-business -business products and services that you know, make you successful or otherwise. You have to understand what it is about each of those products that enables you to keep your existing customers, to win new customers, not necessarily the same thing. What works in different markets? And if you're a project manager delivering new versions of that, you need to understand that stuff as well because that's how you're going to be managing. You're going to be managing to enable value. If you're then a PMO who's supposed to be supporting that environment across multiple products and you have to support an individual project manager with one product, but you also have to support the portfolio of all the products and services across all markets and all different types of segments, you have to understand that same stuff. So it's more than just business acumen. It's a detailed understanding of how you run a business in microcosm. Because if operations, that sort of generic term for finance and HR and manufacturing and customer support and all that stuff is managing the business today, the PMO is managing the business of tomorrow because yeah. that's effectively what you're delivering. And if you don't understand how to manage the business, as it evolves through all this AI and transformation, all the other buzzwords you want to think about, then you're never, ever going to be able to be successful. And you have to recognize that all that change is changing you as well. AI is not just something you deliver in the projects. AI is something that changes how you deliver projects. Oh, my gosh. Transformation and all the rest. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's a really good way to think about it. Right. So, so I can imagine our impact drivers listening here, like their heads just exploded, right? Because <laughs> now they're like, how am I supposed to be all the things to all the people? And how, what's your response to that? Yeah. It's the whiskey tango foxtrot moment, right? Think about mm -hmm. it. Um, it. It's, you don't have to be all things to all people. Right. You can't be all things to all people. If you try, you'll spread yourself too thin and you'll be nothing to anybody. Mm -hmm. What you need is access to the ability to be all things to all people. More than ever before, being a PMO leader is being the most effective relationship builder that you can be because you need to have all those great relationships with your project managers and your program managers and your product owners and product and all that stuff. But you also need to have all those spectacular relationships with the CFO, who's doing all the budget allocation stuff, with the chief strategy officer, assuming your organization has an equivalent role, because they're the people who are determining what initiatives get investments for the portfolio and where you go. But also all the resource owners, all the organizational change management functions, all the HR elements that are going to help make sure the right people with the right skills are in the right place at the right time, and all the rest of the organization that supports that change. A transformed, a digitally transformed organization is one that is built to think, to do, and to be always evolving. Mm. The PMOs at the hub of that and needs to be able to leverage every single part of the business. You don't have to do it yourself. If you try, you'll fail and you'll never get to sleep. But mm. if you can build relationships with people who can help 
then you can be the enabler. You can be the catalyst that makes the difference. Oh, that is so true. So true. And I saw this really come into play last year. So when we were in the midst of this global pandemic in 2020, I was really enjoying watching all of my PMO students that are in my, my signature program, the Impact Engine PMO Training and Implementation Program. I was really enjoying watching all of them thrive during an extremely difficult time because they had done the work the work to build those relationships, the work to understand how the organization operated, how all of the pieces fit together and how to solve problems, right? Like what they learn from me is not you are step-by-step building a PMO and that's it. It's about how do I build an evolving and sustainable organization that can be, that can shift and be nimble and flexible and adapt to thrive, as I call it, right? Adapt when the needs of the organization shift. And so many organizations, like all of the organizations and all of the people, right? Last year had to figure out how to pivot quickly, right? And how to do things quickly and respond almost overnight, many of them overnight to a rapidly changing situation. And the the PMO leaders that understood that their role was to be there to answer the pain, right? And to be there to solve that need and didn't get stuck on, well, how am I going to keep shoving more templates at people? And how am I going to keep adding more steps to my continuous improvement process, right? Instead, they were saying, okay, the business needs something different now. How do we evolve what we do and how we do it to meet that need? And they were all doing incredibly well last year in the midst of a global pandemic because they had earned their seat at the table by building the relationships that you're talking about here, by building those relationships that that made it so that they were the trusted advisor to all of these different groups when when everything hit the fan, right? <laughs> I mean, they, were, they knew what to do. Yeah, I mean, when the brown smelly stuff hits the round worldy thing, it's a bit late to start thinking I should be developing some good relationships. You develop the relationships when things are good so that when things go badly wrong, you can leverage them. Yes. The organizations, the PMOs that weren't ready for it suddenly found themselves working remotely and suddenly thought, hey, I should have spoken to fill in the blank more than once in the last three years, but I didn't, but now I need their help. I better try and get in touch with him on the instant message program that he might not have been set up on yet. Right, exactly. It's too late, it's game over. Yeah, and that's one of the fundamental things that I've been teaching my students after we get their mindset straight on really what their role is all about and building that strong foundation about shifting their thinking from outputs to outcomes and being more focused on, you know, as you and I preach, um, about you know the the goal of the PMO being around helping the organization deliver on its strategy with the highest possible return on investment that they can right like once they understand that the next thing they do and they do it a lot is build relationships with stakeholders mm-hmm. don't start delivering until you build those relationships and one of the important ways to build those relationships is to give them what they want before you try to give them what they need right? Why they want you there in the first place? What are they saying that they want from the PMO? Not like in a way of like, hey, tell me what the PMO should do, but in what are the business problems that they need to have solved, right? And I think that just creating an environment where you're asking all of those right questions helps you build those relationships so that when 
things are crazy, you have those relationships in place to keep things moving or to make those quick pivots. So I think what you're talking about here, it's the relationships are key and important and it's becoming the only way that you're going to be able to get anything done in your organization. And I think that's where we're headed, right? Yeah. And you can't build those relationships on your own. As you say, you've got to give that person, the other side, the other parties, what they want in order to give them an incentive to want to develop and build and maintain a relationship with you. Yeah, exactly. Otherwise, you're just the sad sack at the dance trying to get the girl and, you know, she's got no interest in you. (laughs) Exactly. Or like Mark Price Perry, our pal, Mark says, it's not your PMO. Like how many times have we heard him yell, it's not your PMO. And that's the thing is I think PMO leaders often think that they're there to build what they need as opposed to what, or what they believe the organization needs, as opposed to what the organization actually wants, right? You got to build that trust and those relationships and the credibility by giving them what they want first. And then you can have more serious conversations with them and educate them on why these other underlying factors need to be addressed as well. But you'll never get that chance if you don't have those relationships, if you haven't built that trust, if you haven't taken the time to give them what they want so that you can build credibility, then you don't have a chance. don't have a fighting chance. Yeah. So let's talk about where do PMOs and PMO leaders fit in the organization today and in the future? I think where they should fit. So let's separate PMOs are a very broad topic these days, right? A very really? broad yeah. subject. I think there should be a primary PMO that is aligned with the strategy execution function. Mm-hmm. the chief strategy officer or whatever that equivalent role is that is responsible for delivering on the investment strategy, achieving the goals and objectives, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. The SPM that Gartner refers to, um, strategic portfolio management. That's where you should have your primary PMO function. But you also need satellites, secondary PMOs that sit within the different business areas. Because no matter how strategic, no matter how business focused, PMOs will only ever be able to deliver success through projects. Those projects are focused on business outcomes, not project outputs, but they're still projects and they're still happening at the various departmental levels. So you need, back to relationships, you need a PMO that has a relationship with those project teams operating probably at that departmental level because that's where most projects get done that has itself got a relationship with that primary strategic PMO that operates at the strategic level. I'm less concerned with the structural model of those secondary or departmental ones. You can make that work in a number of different ways. And as long as your focus is right, who really cares about how it's structured? But it's critically important to have that primary PMO, that strategically focused PMO, directly aligned with the strategy execution function. I don't want to report to a CEO. I don't want the PMO head to be a CPO, a chief project officer. I do want them to be very tightly aligned with the chief strategy function. Yes, exactly. And that's one thing that uh, I really try and emphasize is with all of our impact drivers, our PMO leaders, is that you need to be able to thread the strategic alignment through all the services that you're providing with the PMO, all of the projects that are being delivered. And if you're so far removed and separated from the strategy of the organization, I think you're, you're 
you're going to be lost in what it is you're there to deliver and forget the fact that the PMO is there to help the organization deliver on their strategy with the highest possible return on investment. And that doesn't mean every PMO, to your point, has to be a strategic PMO, right? It's not all about them all being strategic. It's about them solving whatever that business problem is that needs to get solved. But I like what you're saying, that kind of higher level one that's either an enterprise PMO or strategic PMO. I don't care what you call it, frankly. You can call it business transformation, call it whatever you want. It's got to have that connection to the strategy, though. It's got to be connected to helping the organization deliver on that strategy. And what I've seen, though, Andy, is that the like the expansion and contraction of PMOs. Well, we have them all in the different departments. Then we have them all into one enterprise. And then we go back to the different departments. And it feels like people can't decide and you know why why the why the PMO should be in which place and you know what they really should be doing to get value. Have you seen that that kind of expansion and contraction of PMOs? Yeah, I deliberately didn't call the strategic function an EPMO or enterprise PMO because in my experience, most organizations or at least a lot of organizations that build EPMOs treat them as an exercise in economies of scale. Yeah, exactly. Hey, if I have an EPMO, I can close down all my departmental PMOs and I'm only paying for one PMO leader. And okay, they may be a bit more expensive, but think of all the money I'm saving. Right. And by the way, I've immediately got standardized processes and reporting and all the rest because everything's going through one point. And when you don't actually get anything like that, then we get rid of the EPMO and we go back to the departmental PMOs and, you know, let's start this crazy cycle all over again because it's been three years since we last did it. Right. when you have a strategic function, you have that primary centralized strategy aligned function that has to operate in all the various areas of the business because all of those areas are interconnected. You've got those massive enterprise wide projects that require input from sales and marketing and engineering and professional services and customer services and IT and HR and finance and all the rest. And you're gonna have people from all those departments. And that might be a big chunk of your budget, but there's a heck of a lot more of your budget that's being allocated and spent all the way around the business in the various departments. It still has to deliver business benefits. No project in the history of the planet was approved to not deliver some kind of benefit. It may not be financial. It may be keep the regulators from shutting you down. Right. Maybe stop the customers from abandoning you. It may be eliminate the risk of going bankrupt, but it's still a benefit. Mm-hmm. No one said, hey, I have a burning desire to build something and deliver it on time, on scope, and on budget, so I'm going to approve a project. It right. doesn't happen that way. They do it because they want to get something out of it. That something ultimately has to deliver value to the business. That value contributes directly or indirectly to strategic success. So you've got to have that strategic hub of everything that gets done. I'm not suggesting that the person who runs the PMO at the strategic level cares what happens to the $10,000 project in HR, right. or the $20,000 project in marketing. I do care that there is at least a relationship between them. Oh, so how would you go about building that relationship then? Let's take let's I, I I'm gonna get very practical here with you on a few things because I can see I can almost see the yeah but monster climbing up onto people's shoulders as they're listening to this saying, I love the idea, but how do you actually put that into practice? 
So you probably already got in most organizations some kind of departmental PMO model. Mm-hmm. There's not that many organizations that only have an enterprise PMO and nothing else. Mm-hmm. And if they have got that model, it's because they just shut down the departmental PMOs okay. and the individual department heads haven't yet got frustrated enough with the PMO that they're funding their own departmental PMO replacement. Right. It's a very small window. So you've probably already got at least some departments with PMOs in place. Or something so, that looks like it, right? Because right. it might it be PMO. they don't call it that, but no. really there's a group of people who are making all the projects happen. Uh, it looks like a PMO, smells like a PMO. It's probably a PMO. Right. All those agilistas <laughs> use, bad, use bad language whenever you use the term PMO. So we'll call it the project delivery office instead. Right. Fine. Exactly. You know, don't care. <laughs> the anti-PMO PMO. <laughs> right. We all know what it is. It walks like a duck. It talks like a duck. Let's call it a duck. Exactly. You know, it's not an elephant. Um, so those functions exist. If they don't exist in all of the different departments to start with, that's okay. But let's leverage that. Let's create some commonality across that. Let's at least look for ways that we deliver work. And I don't mean we've got to be hybrid or we've got to be waterfall or we've got to be agile. We've got to support all of those things. But let's at least understand that every one of those functions is focused on outcomes, not outputs, understands the need to deliver value, blah, blah, blah. We got some consistency there. Now we've got a foundation that we can put our strategic PMO on top of. Mm-hmm. And we don't position that strategic PMO as, hey, IT PMO leader, you've got a new boss. It's the strategic PMO leader. No, I don't care whether there's a reporting line there or not. We're creating a new strategic PMO function, the strategy execution office, the strategy delivery office, the portfolio management office, call it whatever you like, call it Fred for all I care. Exactly. But create it at that strategic level, align it with the strategy execution function, and then back to relationships, build relationships with all of those PMOs that are mutually beneficial. I'll help you understand how the work you're being asked to do in your department contributes to strategy. You help me uh, understand the opportunities, the threats, the stresses that are potentially making it difficult for us to execute on our strategic imperatives. Mm. It's not rocket science. It just needs a bit of trust and relationship building. Going back to, you've got to invest the time and energy to build those relationships because you won't be able to do any of this without that. I love it. So I want to, before we talk about your summit session, I wanted to go back to something you were talking about with digital transformation, because one of the things that I've heard people talk about is uh, a fear. And you, you kind of addressed that early on about a fear of the automation taking over our jobs and all of that. Now, my perspective is that what we're really talking about here is getting finding ways to automate the stuff that we probably shouldn't be wasting time on anyway, because it's administrative so that we have more capacity to do the things like the stakeholder engagement, relationship building, et cetera. But how do you see this, all this digital transformation that's happening in organizations and across industries impacting PMOs both today and tomorrow? So let's, to, to plug my impact uh, summit session a little bit, well, I talk about some of these stats in there. Digital transformation is happening. 65% of global domestic product is going to be digitized by 2022, according to IDC. Wow. Now, last time I checked, that's next year. So I don't think any project manager or PMO leader is going to be able to stop that. 
just guessing there, but you know, <laughs> 65% of the global economy is going to be digitized within the next 18 months or so. Wow. It's going to happen. Right. There's an even more amazing wow stat in my impact site uh, session. If that's going to happen, you might as well accept it. It doesn't mean technology is coming to take your job. Right. When we talk about AI, which is slightly different from digital transformation, when we talk about AI, everybody thinks of Hollywood AI. Right. Robots who are pseudo-human. Right. That AI doesn't exist. What exists today is something called narrow AI, which is essentially an application, a piece of software that focuses on one particular function. It is the element of a self-driving car that processes video from the surroundings mm -hmm. and learns what's good, what's bad, whatever. It's the piece of software that sits on Amazon and makes recommendations of what you should buy based on what you've bought in the past. It's very narrow. It's still AI, but it's narrowly focused. That is amazingly beneficial in the project environment. Oh, yeah. Because even though we're going to be calling people project managers for years and decades to come, they're going to stop being project managers pretty soon. Instead, they're going to be true project leaders because the management stuff is going to be automated. I don't want to produce status reports. I don't want to do risk management. I don't really want to do estimates. I sure as hell don't want to chase people up to sign off on approvals. And I don't need to because I've got exactly. a piece of AI software that can do it better than I can. It'll learn from its mistakes. It'll learn from the mistakes of history and it'll come up with answers quicker than I can. They'll be better than I can make them. And it'll free me up to do stuff that actually adds value to the business. Right. Like leading teams and leading people and leading business objectives. From a PMO standpoint, that same thing has to happen. That same thing has to say, I'm going to focus on the people up and out to the business, not just down and into the projects. And I'm going to focus on those relationships and building those and developing them and helping the business be what it can be. Because digital transformation is not about digital. It's about transformation. Right. The technology has to enable us to do stuff differently, to think about stuff differently, and to fundamentally be different to be an ever-evolving organization, not an organization that stays stable for five years and then revolutionizes itself. Mm -hmm. When you're evolving constantly, you're developing a hell of a lot of those things called projects. And if you're running a PMO, you own that evolution process. You're ensuring that that evolution process is smooth. If you have a truly embracing organization that looks at digital transformation, commits to it, recognizes that it shifts culture, it shifts structure, and it shifts everything in between, then the PMO head is the hub of 75 to 80% of the activity of that business. Because yes. that's all focused on new and innovation and change and being better tomorrow than we are today. Exactly. That's pretty darn exciting. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> well, that's how I see it. My, that's how I see it too. Um, it, I, that's why I call PMOs the impact engine of the organization, right? They are that central engine that's driving the delivery of that strategy through to achieving those outcomes, those business benefits um, for a return on the investment, right? And 
and they're an integral part of the future of every organization. And so the PMO leader needs to figure out how to build these relationships and understand their role from a different perspective, understand that it's not about perfecting our project outputs, but it is about achieving those strategic outcomes for the organization. Love it. I love it. So you hinted, Andy, you hinted at your summit session for this year, which I am, you did. And I'm so grateful you did because I really, if you guys have enjoyed what you've heard here today, you definitely want to make sure you catch Andy's session at the summit. I'm really excited about his session. They're always good. And so Andy, tell me, why did you agree to join me again for the PMO Impact Summit and do another session? Uh, because I'm scared of you. And uh, like, <laughs> what might happen if I said no. <laughs> like I said, see, see impact drivers, he's always making fun of me. <laughs> no, so the impact summit is, it's an awesome opportunity, right? I mean, this is, I've, I've been involved since the start. Um, That's right. When I still had hair. Um, <laughs> and I wouldn't keep doing it if it didn't feel so rewarding to me, but also selfishly as an opportunity to to give back to other people and and get sort of the satisfaction that that comes from that right when i hear from people who said you know oh heard your impact uh, session is really good or you know just watch your impact summit and presentation and and would like to connect with you and talk about this you know it, it's it's so rewarding to hear that you know you're not just a voice in the wilderness which you know you and i think alike but you know as well as i do that you know, sometimes it can feel that way. Yeah, exactly. That's so true. And that's, that's why many years ago now, I talked to you and Mark and Jesse and Barbara and Mike. I was like, hey, you guys want to do something crazy and go like change the way people are thinking about PMOs around the world. So, and you were crazy enough to say yes. <laughs> well, I think I just didn't say no fast enough. <laughs> that must have been it. I was like, great. I didn't hear a no. Let's go. <laughs> Well, but that I think it's really important. And, and Andy, as I'm sure you've heard me say before, uh, when I first started PMO Strategies, I started it because I kept saying to other PMO leaders, gosh, I wish I had me when I was you, right? Like when I was starting out building a PMO or trying to figure out why I was hitting change resistance in the organization or all of those other things PMO leaders have to deal with, it's a pretty lonely space out there. And I am so grateful that I've been given this opportunity to bring together the who I see as the top thought leaders in the world on this topic and share that for free with the community so that they can solve the problems easier than we had it. Right, Andy? Yeah, absolutely. You know, like nobody needs to go through the pain that we went through if, <laughs> if we can help them avoid it, right? Exactly. You know, I mean, dealing with this on my own cost me all my hair and gave me an extra 40 pounds, you know? <laughs> Why would anybody want that? Right. <laughs> Exactly. Well, Andy, I really appreciate you and scared of me or not, <laughs> I really appreciate you um, contributing to uh, such important work to not just change the lives of all of these PMO leaders as if that wasn't enough, um, but also to just change the way the world looks at what the PMO is, what it can be, and how it can truly 
uh, be the engine that drives impact in the organization. So I'm honored that you are a part of this event. Thank you for being a part of it. Thank you for sharing what you have today. And for all of you impact drivers out there, do not miss Andy's session at the summit. You will regret it if you do. It's always awesome content and it'll really help you think and figure out how to apply what you're learning in your organization, no matter what kind of a PMO you have, or even if you don't call it a PMO, right, Andy? Absolutely. All I right. don't care what you call it, just do it. Exactly. All right, Andy, thank you so much for being with us here today. I thank really you. appreciate you so much. Thank you, Laura. appreciate it. Don't forget, this episode is sponsored by Keedin. Keedin is the project portfolio management solution for new and growing PMOs. Using an innovative approach to traditional portfolio management solutions, Keedin effectively combines strategic planning with adaptive execution for a seamless solution that delivers results. Learn more about Keedin's enterprise class solutions at keedin.com and make sure you say hello to them and learn how they can help you make a big impact at the PMO Impact Summit in their virtual booth.